When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This is for the passionate Seahawks fans. The ones who care about scheme more than hot takes. The, the, the ones who want X's and O's and not talking heads. From the eye in the sky. This is Seattle Overload. Seattle Overload. With your hosts, Matty F. Brown, Griffin Sturgeon, and Ty Dane Gonzalez. Let's go. This is the Seattle Overload podcast. I'm your host, Matty F. Brown. And I'm joined by Ty Dane Gonzalez. Our usual Griffin third member, he's not here. And that may be a common theme for this uh, section of the show, the what day is it going to ring out Thursday, mm. which is going to be more of a kind of newsy roundup, get some takes off, hang out, talk Seahawks, less intense X's nose, but also a chance for Ty to uh, have a bit more of a chat. Not that he doesn't, but we sometimes uh, talk over him and get really nerdy and leave him out. So, mm. the Seahawks still won. That That's great, Ty. Yeah. Yeah. It, I We're here on Wednesday recording, and it turns out the Seahawks still won that football game on Monday night. Crazy. Insane. Um, still haven't, like, fully processed the fact that that happened. Uh but it's amazing. Got to tell you that. Love that. So yeah, very excited to uh, to be on here and uh, to talk some Hawks tonight. And we're we're doing a live stream for those that are maybe listening after the fact. Uh, we're doing a live stream on YouTube. So some of you uh, also unhinged uh, Seahawks fans uh, can uh, come and chat with us. Leave your comments. Maybe we'll answer some questions. We got some topics to get into. But yeah, how are you, Maddie? Well, I'm obviously very happy because the, the Seahawks still won and yeah. the narrative coming out of Denver is still kind of wild and the mm. Flannel Hackett's admitted that it was wrong and then it's like, well, why did they have that weird press conference where they were talking about and why did the kicker tweet out the 46 left hash thing? And that's all very strange, but whatever, not our problem. Uh, fun memes, fun reactions. Twitter was unbelievable. The, mm. the, the takes... But, uh, yeah. And it kind of seems like the, you know, the national narrative is switching up on the Seahawks a little bit as well, right? Like, turning on ESPN on Tuesday morning, tuning on, like, Pat McAfee show, you know, some of these bigger shows that cover the NFL. 
and we're hearing Gino praise. We're hearing, yeah, you know what? Maybe this team they're they're building a little something special, right? Like you hear like Lewis Riddick and, and these guys coming out now and saying like, you know what? Maybe I, you know maybe the Seahawks got a little something going on here. After I don't know, we spent the last five months hearing that the Seahawks are going 0 17. They're gonna get the first pick. CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson, whoever is going to be the Seahawks quarterback next year, whatever. Um, but you know, it's it's. I think at the end of the day, though, I think it's great that that Gino is getting his due. That people are recognizing that. Um, you know, I've heard some really you know uh, positive things from um, you know just from shows that I've watched and radio and all that stuff. You know, actually giving Gino his due. That's awesome. You know, and and recognizing like, hey, you know, this guy hasn't hasn't really gotten a chance in a long time, and he kind of got screwed out of his last chance, and now he's you know he's he's back on the field and he's making it happen. It's awesome. It's awesome. Good for good for Gino. You know, everyone's going with the quote too. That's awesome. So uh, you know, that's been a whole thing. So it's it's really cool to see like you know the Seahawks are uh, garnering some attention now, and and people are taking notice. People are taking notice of what we've been talking about for months, Maddie. They've they've taken notice to Gino. Everyone definitely, is getting irreversibly Gino pilled now. <laughs> definitely fun having the Seahawks be that kind of gritty, uh, spicy, action mm. green underdog. Where mm. it, for a while, like you know, with Russell Wilson, it was always, well, did they underperform that year? Did they did they miss the 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 boat? And we, you can talk about that more seriously, but now we don't have to sort of think about that it's kind of like well ray just beat the broncos that was fun and no one expected them to and you talk about the national narrative shifting well actually you know you look at the nfl.com picks and all but one of them mm. have picked the 49ers they're a 9.5 um, yeah underdog on the road in san francisco so well santa clara and so all of it all of that being said like yeah i think i think there is some warming up to the seahawks and i think I think people like that kind of Pete Carroll thing and, and you know, the vibe around the team and Gino mm-hmm. proving people wrong. That That's quite a cool story. And I think people are willing to embrace that. Nonetheless, though, I, I do still think there's a, a bit of a sentiment against the Seahawks as a quality team and, and well, mm-hmm. questioning their quality to even compete against the 49ers, who are, I mean... The the confidence in Trey Lance, and we'll we'll talk about this tomorrow when we preview that game. But the confidence in Trey Lance is uh, I have yet to see where that is really coming from. But perhaps I'll be proved wrong. But to see you know all but one of them pick the the Forty Niners, mm. and to see you know them be a nine point five. There was there was one prediction in there that said forty to 16 49ers. I, I don't think that we'll talk about this tomorrow. But I don't think Trey Lance has scored forty points on this defense. <laughs> like that that would have to be like something just absolutely terrible goes wrong. There's gotta be like two pick sixes or like a fumble recovery touchdown or something crazy like that. Like there's no way. Sure. Um yeah, but uh yeah, so there's still obviously the disrespect on, in that regard, right? From the national side of things. Keep and, it coming. This thing will yeah. feed off that, man. I mean, dude, the, the Seahawks are at their absolute best when they're underdogs, like when no one you know believes in them. And you know, it, it's been a while now since we've really seen a Seahawks team that truly has a chip on his shoulder where guys have you know truly have a chip on his on, on their shoulder and 
you know, Shelby Harris, right? Like the interview that he did uh, after the game, like that was very like, you know, Seahawks in 2013 when no one really was paying attention yet. And, you know, they're, you know, they were playing great ball, but, you know, just no one was really giving them their due. Uh, that it just, we're kind of back to that kind of style of Seahawk football under Pete Carroll. Um, where these guys, you know, they, they truly, you know, they're out to prove people wrong. And, um, you know, so, so yeah, keep down them, Let, you know, and, uh, hopefully they, they shock the world again on, on Sunday and, and beat the 49ers. That would be a lot of fun and it would help drive the, the most juiciest narratives even further after they drive the juiciest narratives for Denver, they drive even more juicy narratives for the 49ers. There will be so many calls for Jimmy Garoppolo. If they beat Trey Lance, so many calls for Jimmy Garoppolo. It'll be beautiful. Yeah. Well, that is a weird situation. I mean, I understand that Jimmy G is thought of highly there as a locker room presence and a great guy, but like if you're Trey Lance, You'd be like, uh, can this guy go now? I don't want this lingering over me. It's like um, Manchester United. They, uh, they, they, their longtime great coach, Sir Alex Ferguson, he retired um, after many, many wins. But rather than like leave the club, he just moved upstairs, and he's sort of lurking in the shadows, and still is right to this day. But like particularly in the earlier, the sort of early transition from Ferguson. He was just sort of lingering there. And it's, it would just be uncomfortable to be, you know, a manager in that setting or, in this case, a quarterback when you're the old vet who all of the locker room obviously loves. Like, um, George Kittle, for instance, really vocal about him. I know Richard Sherman spoke highly of uh, Garoppolo in the past as well. That's, that's such a weird situation. Anyway, yeah. we will see how that all plays out. But, yeah, Geno-wise... Really, still very exciting. And then defensive wise, we have uh, an award winner already after week one. Like, what the heck? I, I mean, like, I thought Chenna Nwosu had a really good game on, on Monday night. I didn't think that he had a defensive player of the week type of game at first glance. But so that was a little surprising when I saw that today. I, I still haven't watched the tape. Blah, blah. But like that, uh, <laughs> like he, he, he uh i mean well deserved first of all like that um like he was a big part of you know those goal line stands obviously he was able to get into the backfield some got the first sack on russ like he had a big night so that's awesome you know and uh uh <laughs> to kick off the year with you know the the whole like issue you know for a while for folks with personnel wise from the defense is like they don't have an edge rusher they don't have a lead dog mm-hmm. well they week one they open up the season with the defensive player of the week being an edge rusher the edge rusher that they added this offseason it seems like i mean obviously it's week one but let's overreact a little bit anyway because everyone's gonna do it yeah kind of seems mean, like they it kind of seems like they got a little bit of a steal there and and Chenna, if like they're like if this is any indication of what's to come from chenna nuosu like that's like for 10 million dollars a year for the next right, few years he signed that kind of mid mid tier deal, and it's like, mm, mm-hmm. like he knows the system. He 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 sort of knows the scheme, but you know, opposite Daryl Taylor of thinking this is by no means a guaranteed thing, and the the sack production is not obviously going to be crazy high. You you'd think, right? And to have again, tape podcast will be tomorrow where we'll, we'll dive into all the tape stuff. But production wise, mm-hmm. to have 
one sack, you know, three pressures, um, one tackle for loss per approachable reference. That's, that's spicy. I do think the award is sort of speaks to how many people watched Monday Night Football um, and the kind of national exposure. That doesn't hurt, right? But he was big on that goal line stand as well. You should mention that. He he stood up um, uh, the running back, I think. Mm. And he, he, was, he just brought a level of activity that actually kind of outshone Dow Taylor. And now Taylor is getting held like every other snap. And I think because he's lining up on the left, I think they were really kind of mush rushing him a bit more often. Again, mm-hmm. tape podcast tomorrow. But mm-hmm. Nwosu, awesome. Absolutely awesome. And good on him. Although even in his press conference, he, he did seem a bit uh, <laughs> like slightly surprised. But hey, mm-hmm. good for him. They all count. We'll take it. I mean, hell, we will absolutely take that all day long, uh, especially from an edge rusher in Seattle. Uh, when was the last time an edge rusher in Seattle won Defensive Player of the Week? Like, ever? Has that ever happened? I mean, like, has that happened I'm within sure, like the last surely, 20 years? <laughs> surely a Cliff Avil. Surely. Like a Mike Bennett, maybe? Maybe like Mike Bennett for the Saints Frank Monday Clark night game in. 2013 yeah frank clark maybe yeah let us know if any of any of you that are watching the live stream right now know if seahawks edge rusher has won nfc defensive player of the week drop it in the uh, comments we'll throw it up here on the screen so yeah um so how many pressures did he end up with i I think you were checking pro football reference for that yeah i i I did i did mention that tie oh you did yeah yeah, wow good good podcasting wow that's the second time that i've done that in two episodes yeah it's almost like the statistics just don't don't it just it it goes it goes through one ear and out the other i'm sorry slower if you want no no that's fine that's fine i'm sorry buddy all right so uh (laughs) so let's talk about jamal adams here because um i thought today was going to be the day that pete said year's done for Jamal, it's over. Right. Like he's going to need surgery. Right. Instead, he says they're still unsure if that's going to be required. Um. So, I'm. Let me just kind of start by asking you this before I forget. Can, like, is that like if he's out for the year or out for like most of the season, is that the death of the three safety looks, or can Ryan Neal, Josh Jones, and Quandre Diggs all coexist on the same field? Is the is the death of the three safety looks in mm. the way that they were going to do it with Adams in the yeah. they were going to do it and again take podcast tomorrow but they were going to do it I'll stop saying that they were going to do it where Adams was on the field with Josh Jones and Conte Diggs but they didn't have and then they had two outside cornerbacks so. Technically, Conje Diggs is kind of the nickel, or Adams is kind of the nickel. Um, and then up front, they're playing a bare front, so five down. So Adams is basically playing in the box like a linebacker. Uh, mm. he's, and and then sometimes not doing that, uh, depending on what coverage they're playing. Now, Josh Jones could probably play in the box a bit, but he's not Adams. But also, the reason you do that with Adams is so you can blitz him, right? And... Um, and the way he can be like a passing down weapon as well is going to impact their passing down stuff where, I mean, already like the play he got injured on, like that was awesome. That was like some kind of dime thing where 
Seattle will come out in dime plus, so with three safeties out in the field, 60 defensive backs, just as they have done in previous years, because that's how you do it. But you're not going to have the yeah. safety playing off a nose tackle uh, going into the A-gap like for the sack, mm-hmm. because Jamal Adams is that kind of dude. Mm. But Josh Jones, Ryan Neal, they don't really have that. Well, they don't have nearly as much blitz and acumen. Although they're, they're, they're both solid blitzes, but they're not Adams pass rush kind of deal. So, unfortunate. But Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I want to know, what what was your read on that Pete Carroll press conference? Because I have a, a few uh, sort of troubling takes. Um, With the Adams comment, I should specify. Yeah, uh... See, you know, because it's it's, like it's weird with Pete and how he talks about injuries in general, right? We know how Mm. like he dodges kind of the answer Mm. at the end of the day and kind of dances around it and dances around the severity of everything, right? Uh, You know, he'll be like, "Oh yeah, like I I I think this guy might be coming back next week," and the next week comes and is like out for the year, (laughs) you know. So like, you never know. I think that there's still maybe some hope or maybe there or maybe maybe it was cope. (laughs) Maybe there was cope from from Pete today that we saw with that answer, because like, I don't know. You look at like the injury, right? Just the the like him having to go on the cart, him, you know, kind of massaging the top of his knee and everything. That seems like a quad. That seems like a ACL. That seems like something that's a season ender, Mm -hmm. like for sure. Like, I just, I'd be stunned if Jamal comes back. So, I don't know. Maybe they're just trying desperately to get a second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh opinion because he's such a big part of this whole puzzle, you know, for this whole year. And so maybe that's just why. Maybe they're literally just going through, like, several different opinions before they actually just finally call it. I don't know though. Mm. It's it's hard it's hard to read with Pete really. It, you know, cuz like why else, like what would be the reason other than that though to kind of ah, delay well, the inevitable? Well, yeah, what 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 do well, you think? My my take is the opposite and it is the I actually got the sense that no I don't I don't think this is what, what will happen. But I got the sense that maybe retirement uh mm. it is a thing cuz you know weighing up options um like seeing what to do here like and it's a unique or like injury like it's a weird injury i can't remember the exact term um but you know like this is such a weird kind of serious injury it's and it's in the quad 
part of the he sounds like he's completely like destroyed it and then that's not great and then you know mental health wise having to come back again after being hurt constantly yeah. i think i don't think well i am not jamal adams i do not have uh, insight into his brain but you know that the, he'll probably be going through that kind of deliberation of as natural i think like mm-hmm. you know is this meant to be with, with football and can i go through another recovery and also like will i be the same player after whatever surgery they're considering with this being such a rare injury like can i actually yeah. play football again uh because i don't know if we know that and and, and that's true Pete carroll's comments to me that I, I i didn't think he i think he was careful to be drawn into saying you know uh anything definitive for that reason because i think there is like a, a small perhaps likelihood that you know it, it could be the end and you know hopefully not and also hopefully yeah jamal is okay like mentally and and um and then physically and and then as a football player well yeah to your point you know with you know the language that pete has been using to describe the injury and if that is the case that it is a very rare injury it's something that's very serious you know jamal's probably got to feel like the universe is out for him basically you know it just kind of feels like like you said like is this meant to be am i actually meant to play football at this point like Cause it's just injury after injury after injury. And it's not just like, you know, one like exclusive season ender per year. It's like multitude of injuries stacking up on top of one another over the last three years. Right. You know, cause like you go back to 2020, it's the fingers, it's the shoulder it's, you know, and then the next year it's the shoulder and everything. And then yeah. now it's, you know, fingers again during training camp. Then, uh now it's a knee and it's just like his whole body is just getting getting beat to hell and yeah like you said you know it's like you got to wonder at that point like you know with a knee injury like am i ever going to be the same guy like am i ever going to be able to provide that value that makes me jamal adams am i ever going to be jamal adams again you know so yeah i think you know that that messes with the player a lot and you know, just the whole like having to go through rehab and, you know, maybe, you know, again, to your point, maybe, you know, Pete was hinting at something or retirement or that, you know, maybe um, Jamal is thinking about retirement because, uh, you know, and that's why they're unsure about surgery. Maybe he just doesn't want to have the surgery and he's just I'm done. surprised Pete didn't get a follow up on that. I, I, yeah. I, I really am. And, and you know, and maybe the surgery is complicated. Like maybe there's no guarantees of, of it being successful or being leading to you know, being able to play football, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, unfortunate as well because he, he's a terrific football player. Mm. And, you know, I, I do feel bad for him in a sense because he gets beaten around the head with the, you know, how much the the the, the assets the Seahawks gave up to, to acquire Adams, not his fault. And yeah. really, you know, the tape, which I've watched, he's been a fantastic football player in Seattle, Barring a few kind of injury influenced mistakes, um, yeah, but but they you know they get amplified because of the whole weird narrative, which which has always just been warped because of the the amount that Seattle gave up to go and get him. But yeah, th- thinking of Jamal because yeah, they think yeah. 
sucks. And by the way, like, you know, it's also not the Seahawks' fault in the trade either, right? Like, they, you know, we know the player that uh, they thought that they were getting, and we've seen him at, play at a very high level. We've seen him play at the level that they, you know, thought he was going to be at. You know, they didn't know that he was going to get injury after injury after injury after injury, right? Like, they didn't know that. Sometimes you lose trades. You know, sometimes yeah, it can, just happens. You can get into the values of uh, of what a safety is. Uh, I believe it's growing in, in the league, especially yeah. with, like, you know, how it's transitioning to more middle field open looks. The safeties are really lent upon to make that uh, work from uh, back to front, front to back, and, and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. But also, you know, he's much more than a safety. Like, and he's not, uh, he's not a linebacker. It's so annoying no. when people say that because he can do safety aspects. He's just a chess piece, and and his pass rush ability on top of that as well. He's just a completely unique player. So the the whole value thing, like, I get it, and and but also it's a bit annoying. I still, um, I'm interesting to know. You know, they they said they punted on the, that draft because of COVID, which was kind of fortuitous phrasing uh i still want to sort of look back and see how that whole draft did it'll be interesting sort of two years down the line Mm -hmm. how that all pans out but but really like year one nfl sack record for db and he did ignite the pass rush when they needed it most like if they'd put together a run if they'd managed to get past wolford (laughs) yeah in the playoffs uh, and uh, you know, and put together, you know, gone to a Super Bowl. Then suddenly it's worth it. But unfortunately, a lot of other things collapsed there, and Jamal himself got hurt. So, yeah. Anyway. By the way, we have an answer to our uh, question. Oh, Michael Bennett in 2015 won Defensive Player of the Year uh, or Defensive Player of the Week rather against the 49ers, and then Frank Clark in Week Six, 2018. So, thank you to Alexander Wheeler ah, and we are both Battle right. Rap fan. So yeah, this might be. I'm surprised Cliff never got one. Yeah, he he was a guest. Uh, I guess maybe like he piece. Yeah, I guess maybe he never had like a big volume game with like the flashy stats where he like he get like a you know strip sack and like another sack mm. on top of that and like I don't know you know there's always it's his... always like the very basic stats that get you those awards so right. I think his best game for the Seahawks is probably Super Bowl 48 as well. So Yeah, yeah. All right, so Kim Walker III, who had a hernia surgery a few weeks ago, hmm. is uh, apparently coming back, uh, Pete announced on uh, uh, Seattle the, Sports. The optimistic yeah, Pete Carroll. The he, optimistic he, Pete Carroll. He made sure to um, remind people of that in his, his press conference today to, mm-hmm. to reporters. So we're already we're already you know backing up a little bit. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's like spoken to a team yeah. doctor after the radio yeah, here, yeah, and they've been yeah. like, "Hey, Pete, you probably shouldn't have said that. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's not one hundred percent to go. You do know that." <laughs> he's like, oh, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." So, but if he does make his return this week, um, how many snaps do you think he'll get coming off of that injury? Oh well, there's there's the whole coming off the injury. Mm-hmm. And then there's also the fact that, you know, he's got Rashad Penny in front of him. And yeah. Penny is the the workhorse. You know, he he's the guy who should be getting most of the carries. I I I don't know. Like maybe a dozen? Like how how much is worth worth doing? Like is Penny hot? Is Penny struggling? It, 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 there's a lot of factors at play here. But if he's good to go, then use him. But you know, 
if he's good to go, he should be fully available. And then it comes down to, you know, all those factors I just spoke about, you know, how well Penny's doing. And also what, what we saw last week, uh, multiple running backs in the backfield, little tri triple option looks. Maybe we see a bit of Penny and Walker on the field. Wow, mm. that would be exciting. And uh, sort of a nice sort of... Did they do that with that full house uh, pistol thing? Do some RPOs, do oh, get yeah. a little get a get a little sexy with it, you know? They could uh, definitely do that. They will yeah. do that. Yeah, yeah, they should. They should. Yeah, no, I think that's uh that's pretty interesting. Plus, cause like Penny's kind of like a bowling ball, right? So like, you know, you could have him uh maybe line up as like a fullback basically <laughs> you know by the way his does not his brother is it his brother or his cousin that's the fullback elijah i think elijah his Penny. brother it's I his brother, his brother right? for the giants right, so that, still right so that's a, so that's in the background too like yeah he'll just call up his brother be like yeah. um <laughs> hey how do i how do i chip someone <laughs> Tra travis homer also in there three running back sets dj Dallas just hitting people let's <laughs> have four on the field yeah dj da <laughs> dj dallas playing tight end why not let's do it let's do it um but yeah like i'm i'm pretty excited to see like and maybe you know that was i don't know like because penny didn't get a lot of action um this summer i kind of wonder if that also played into the fact that they didn't run much oh a bit game. of load management a little load management because i mean like i don't know like it, like i'm interested to see if penny's uh uh carries uh increase this week i think they will like yeah carol said they didn't run him enough and we were saying it too like he got a nice dosage at the start, and then yeah, well, the offense did the disjointed thing in the second half, like in total. But where was the the run game? Like I, they did, they, they sort of went away from it and uh, completely when it was, you know, it was still getting four yards to carry, albeit skewed by one big run. But like, yeah, Penny only getting twelve carries is crazy. I do think they'll they'll lean on him more often in the 49ers game, and if they're leaning on Penny more often, maybe. You know, that should be more opportunities for Walker it, if he does go, which, <laughs> Pete, you've, you've promised us, Pete, we want to see our exciting rookie who's uh, mm. very, very uh, dynamic. And uh, just seeing the way that those two will, like, uh, bounce off each other, like, yeah. know, complement each other. Like, mm. Penny's this huge, uh, you know, height, weight, speed, ridiculous gliding. But then Walker's like a smaller jitterbug version where he still has that you know home run threat ability and and one cut ability and they both thrive in wide zone and gap concepts which seahawks that's what they they do they do the wide zone the mid zone and then they do the the duo crunch and and maybe a bit of uh pulling but not much pulling mm -hmm. yeah so uh let's uh you want to answer some questions yeah, let's get some questions. We got some questions. All right. Ian wants to know, would you summarize Adams' play style as safety, inside linebacker, and, and rotational pass rusher? He's too small to really set the edge. Matty? Uh, well, well, yeah, he's not he's not setting the primary edge, but he can set an edge as like a secondary force player, which is a safety. And he can do some inside linebacker elements and he can be a rotational pass rusher. So I've always said he's 
a defensive weapon. But if if you had to call him something, he's a safety. Like there's this kind of preconception, kind of because of the Legion of Boom, the safeties are either a, a free safety where the free safety, which the free safety used to be the guy who aligned on the flex side of the defense. So the flex side of the defense is the dude away from the tight end. Then the strong safety used to be the guy who aligned the solid side, so the guy to the tight end. So what? rather than calling the free safety the weak safety, they, they called him the, the free safety because we don't want someone to be weak if they're playing football. <laughs> they're, they're very strong. Mm. Anyway, where, where I'm going that is then the Legion of Boom, everyone's thinking free safety is going to play single high in, in like cover three, cover one, that kind of deal, right? Mm. And then the strong safety is Cam Chancellor. He's in the box. But no mm. one called Cam Chancellor a linebacker. We, like, why did we suddenly go from, okay, we have a box safety and then, oh, it's a linebacker. But, like, Adams was great playing in quarters coverage last year for the Seahawks. Just no one noticed him because he's doing his job in too high and mm-hmm. it's not that flashy because the ball doesn't get thrown there. The quarterback sees him on the backside. They're like, okay, I won't throw that way. And then, and then it goes on. But he's doing, like, backside free safety kind of elements um mm-hmm. he, he's playing safety like he, he yeah uh it's just cool that he has the the kind of you know blitzing ability but then you know troy polamalu could blitz and everyone called him a bloody safety so i don't know why suddenly the 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 narrative you know changed somewhat it's kind of funny how like folks act like Jamal Adams is like the only person that does what he does. <laughs> that he's like this insult to safety play or something like like it's 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 crazy to me. It's just like I don't know. He's a versatile ass player. He's a good player. Like I don't I don't get I don't get like the uh, like people just come out of the woodwork to like talk their well, to get their takes off on Jamal well, for some reason. Well, yeah, the narrative is broken around him, and and then sort of linking back to Ian's point about uh. You know, what would you summarize him as? Why it matters that he's a safety is because, you know, Ian is saying he is too small to really set the edge. Yeah, he is because he's mm-hmm. a safety. Like, he's a safety body. He's a, yeah. he's a DB body. Oh, ultimately, he's not an inside linebacker because an inside linebacker still, even with how light the NFL is getting, like, and, and just the game in general, an inside linebacker is still, like, 225, 230 pounds. Like, Adams ain't that. So then you can't yeah. suddenly start... Yeah, that's why positions still matter. Even though football is moving to being more positionless, even if it is about matchups and plugging guys in the right spots. Uh, but, I mean, it doesn't really matter. Just de- call him a defensive weapon and, and enjoy the fact he can do a lot of things really well and then be sad because he's badly hurt. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Poppy Me 
says, Good day, lads. Given that nearly every commentator throughout or thought Monday was going to be a blowout, why hasn't there been more conversation about how the game was even that close to begin with? Love your work. I think it all kind of ties to the um well thanks Poppy. Of, yeah, thanks, Poppy. But <laughs> like yeah. And, but like I, I think the uh I, I think that really, you know, goes back to the whole red zone conversation though. And like, you know, because they convert on those visits to the red zone. This is we're feeling a lot different about this game. Well, no, I reject you're right. That is what it is. But yeah, why how people can, you know, have their, you know, if buts maybe yeah. fit their narrative. Because Seattle had a fourth and inches or fourth and one, but it was should have been inches from yeah. Denver's seven. If they punch that in, well, suddenly that's a bit different because they go up by uh over two scores. No, it wasn't over two. They'd gone up 14 to three. And then they should have had two picks. Like Adams dropped a pick, Diggs dropped a pick, and Denver scored on both those drives. Well, that looks a bit different, doesn't it? Denver's getting blown out. So I do agree, Ty. Like people are fixating on the fact that Denver bottled it when they got down uh, into Seattle's mm-hmm. goal line with terrible clock management and draining the clock and getting blown off the football. But, you know, it for, it's fun to play ifs and, and maybes. Uh, it's often the the losing party where that that sort of starts emerging from, right? Because it's like, damn, yeah. we could have done that. And usually in tight games, right? Because suddenly everyone's like, well, we just needed three more points, and we'd have <laughs> we'd have yeah. got this. Um, and well, and also, we you know, that? well, you think about it too. Is like the Broncos were kind of gifted three points because Quandre Diggs dropped that interception in the end zone. That would yeah, have been that's what I'm in that drive. like you know, so it goes both ways, right? Like you were saying, like the you know the fourth and inches uh, with Gino on the QB sneak and all that, like yeah. So you know, but it, I I think the the question is more so just like you know why or like why is there no talk about the Broncos not just abs- you know them failing to just blow out the Seahawks when like that's what the expectations were. But I again, I think like we're kind of we are seeing that conversation, but it's all centered around like the missed opportunities of the red zone, and it's all very Broncos focused and very Broncos heavy. And it's like, well, if they just did this, like it wasn't really the Seahawks; it was the Broncos. You know, the Broncos fumbled the bag basically, and it's like, well, it goes both ways though, right? Like guys made plays at the goal line, right? Like the Seahawks earned that, you know, and. You know, Al Woods made a huge play and Chen and Nwosu made a huge play. Like that can't be forgotten here, right? Like it's not just, oh, the Bron haha, Broncos bad, <laughs> right? Like Seahawks also made some plays there. They had to do that in order to get out of those situations. And uh, you know, the defense they, is monumental. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was Pete Carroll ball to the t- into a T. We said that on Monday, right? And so um, but yeah, you know, at the end of the day, uh you know the broncos you know they're working through growing pains anyway right russell wilson first start you know because like he didn't play at all in the preseason um and you know that and you're just kind of dropping him into basically last year's personnel offensively in denver and you know those guys haven't you know like they they've been practicing with him they've been working out with him you know constantly throughout the offseason but that doesn't that doesn't, you know, give you the information that you really need. You know, no, you need to build chemistry. You need to work with one another 
in a game setting where you're playing against another team and not a, a, not against another team either even in like a, a scrimmage or a preseason where guys are kind of playing half speed or it's a bunch of backups trying to you know play for their NFL lives etc like an actual real game where like stuff matters and like you know like they like Russ had a good game overall but you know there was obviously the big mistakes and you well, know and him him and Hackett as well they need to figure out their working relationship a bit more like yeah I mean Hackett I think saying afterwards about how he, he may have left a few too many many audibles and options with Russ and that's sort of what was going on down at the goal line with the with the sort of delay of games there was too much on Russ's plate basically like and and they just need to figure that out and the, the whole clock management between them getting the play in yeah. how whoever's to blame there we, we we're not privy to that by the way like does russ not have the green light to call timeout in that situation because that seems really sus to me for a quarterback that's making the money that he's making he was have, calling, as a, he called as he was 11. able to call timeout he was able to call timeout earlier like he was yeah, the, little, yeah. the classic you know only certain quarterbacks in the NFL get to do it where, you know, they, they turn to the official like nonchalantly when it's a one second and just tap uh, the timeout mm-hmm. sign. He did that earlier. So yeah. yeah, that is weird. That kind of sh- shifting of, uh, of blame. Well, yeah. And that's yeah. why, and that's why I said on Monday that, you know, I think that falls on the quarterback at the end of the day, especially when you're talking about an 11 year veteran making all that money. Like that's why I was talking about, you know, down at the goal line, obviously he didn't fumble those balls himself, but he contributed to those plays being out of whack to those plays starting out in such a chaotic fashion. There was, you know, an awkward handoff on, on one of them. I think it was the Gordon one where Al Woods blew up the play. Um, Chenna got in there with the, 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 you know, uh, with strip, like, you know, so that's, at the end of the day, the clock management stuff to me is Russell 100%. Like, yeah. I get like the whole, like, you know, Nathaniel Hackett's a first time coach, this is his first game, et cetera. But I feel like that's kind of missing the point here in the conversation that Russ should have been able to overrule him in that situation. Mm-hmm. Call timeout, saved, you know, 40 seconds or whatever on the clock. And then they could have talked about it. And I get maybe, you know, they wanted to run, you know, Hackett wanted to run the clock down because they, they got to the 46, which is still <laughs> stupid to me. That is just mind-blowingly dumb uh, to me. So, you know, there's uh, they're out of whack right now. We'll see. I mean, can you imagine if they lose to the Texans this week? Oh, oh, brother. Oh, Justin brother. Simmons is hurt. Ooh. When did he get hurt? Uh, apparently he hurt himself in the the second half of the last game and played through it. And he played through it. Yeah. So um, Sunday is going to be very interesting. Uh, and then they they play the Forty ers the next week on uh, Sunday night, I think. So those two games, if they end up starting like one and two or zero oh and three, woo. Yeah, because the back half of their schedule is actually nuts. Like. It's it's so difficult. Like the first yeah. bit is a bit easier, but back half is very, very mm-hmm. tricky. And Russ doesn't enjoy second half of seasons as much. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. So Nick uh, asks, uh, do you think how the twelves booed Russell Wilson might affect players wanting to come play <laughs> for Seattle? Thanks, Nick. Uh, I've heard this a lot. The simple really? answer is 
I've heard this a lot, wow. dude. I've heard this a lot. Like, oh, uh, you know, because th- this is for some reason a story. They're asking Bobby Wagner in press conferences now, like what he thinks about it and all this wow. stuff. Like, yeah. So, like, it's all like that's the other thing, right? So, there's obviously, you know, going back to the national narrative conversation that we mm-hmm. had at the start of the show. Like, there's obviously like the praise for Gino and the praise for Pete and the praise yeah. for the team in general. But there's also like, for some reason, this huge conversation doesn't matter which station you tune into about why did Seattle boo Russell Wilson? Oh, it's so classist. He won you a Super Bowl, blah, 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 blah. And on by extension, there's folks saying, players are not want to are not going to want to come to Seattle now because you booed Russell Wilson. Okay, listen. It doesn't matter in the slightest. If you win football games, good football players want to come play for you. Simple as that. End of discussion. <laughs> like, that's it. Yeah. Also, the perception of Russ, like, I feel the the recent the recent stuff, like, just in the media cycle, what's come out, all of that stuff, I feel people kind of understand why there was a bit more spice you know yeah or at least rational people understand why there was a bit more spice to it and i think players are very much aware that yeah russ russ is russ right he's a a unique individual but also it's kind of they know they they know how it went down and also i more than that like is sport like players know that fans are fans they don't really i don't think they 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 think too much into that and and like yeah. when Russ's time comes when when he when he you know is retired when he perhaps is enjoying you know Hall of Fame candidacy then they'll put his jersey in the rafters and he'll get the you know the heroes welcome and and I'm sure they'll they'll do something for him where you know he probably raised the twelve man flag at some point. Uh, unless mm-hmm. something terrible happens in the 2026 <laughs> matchup, but you know, I, I think this is probably the peak of how uh, nasty it will get. And realistically, like being British and a, a soccer uh, enthusiast, mm. that was soft. Mm. Like, like I, I was like, uh, there was a there was a, a player called Luis Figo who was a very mm. exciting Portuguese winger. There's a documentary actually on on netflix this is the second soccer reference on the podcast what is going on i'm anyway, proud of you man you're fine yeah, i'm just put, planting the flag you know no. uh, and he he moved from uh barcelona to real madrid and mm. that is like i mean you just don't do that right like that, there's not on there's not an uh american uh, com- comparison it just doesn't exist. Like it's just nuts. It is they they hate each other. They're bitter rivals. It's it's like it's like going to the dark side. So he went and did that, and then he came to play at Barcelona Stadium, mm-hmm. and the fans were throwing bottles, uh, throwing all kinds of stuff at him, and and the Barcelona captain had to turn around to the fans and be like, please stop. Like he, yeah. they were raining stuff down on him. And if you go back and look at the footage, someone threw a pig's head at him. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, so like, dude, that, this is nothing. They and, like, booed also, him. 
Oh. And like we've seen football fans do worse. They, we've seen them throw popcorn and cans. Yeah, and I'm not. And... Ad, but by no means am I advocating no. that. I'm just no. uh, using that to illustrate the point that booing is fine. And do you know what? I'd have booed Russell Wilson. Griffin said he wouldn't. Was soft. I would have booed Russell Wilson if, if I, I was I'm trying to compete stadium. too. Yeah, yeah. I'm 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 a you, competitor. You have to compete. Also, I'm noisy, so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I look. This might be the last time. I mean, there's a non-zero chance that this was the last meaningful game that Russell Wilson played at Lumen Field, because like, yeah, it's uh, the 2026 it, game. It, that's going to be in Denver, and then 2024, the Seahawks will play the same place finisher in the AFC West. They oh. will host that game. So if the Broncos and the Seahawks do finish in the same place in 2023, then they would play the Broncos at Lumen Field. Okay. But other than that. The next time would be 2030, and that's two years after his current contract wraps up. So, like I said, non-zero chance that he's played his last meaningful game at Lumen Field. So that might be the you know that might be the only time. And look, the wound is so fresh, and for five months, five whole months since you know the trade and the 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 uh, the schedule finally dropped with this game being week one, this is all we have heard about for five months, and. It's not really about you know what we've heard about. It's about the players having constantly just being you know hearing about this, being asked about this, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's probably worn so tired of them, like uh, especially like even for guys that are like good friends with Russ, like Penny Hart, DK Metcalf. I'm sure even them were tired of it and kind of wanted to beat Russ <laughs> because of that as well. Like you know, so I think like. You know, emotions are just running high and fans feel slighted. And a lot of fans, you know, they know what what actually happened, right? Like they're able to put two and two together on on what happened, how this transpired. Russ wanted out. Mark Rogers was orchestrating things and everything like people like most fans. I, I feel like realize that at least, you know, the fans that were in attendance at the game. I think Russ deserves to be booed because Russ lied <laughs> and he allowed mark rogers to like gaslight the fan base like yeah <laughs> like and he didn't like he could have told mark rogers to stop at any point in time like i get it i get why fans feel slighted and for that reason like you maddie i would i would have booed too if i was there like and you know there will come a time that doesn't mean that i don't appreciate what russ has done and that doesn't, you know, that doesn't mean that I don't, you know, appreciate everything that he did over the last 10 years and for helping win a Super Bowl, the first Super Bowl in Seahawks, you know, history. But, you know, right now the wind is fresh and he was the enemy on Monday. Like he was the enemy. Like I would boo, I would boo the Jaguars. Like, <laughs> you know, like I don't. That's the other thing. Like the, the first videos were of them walking out the tunnel. I was like, yeah, they're being booed. They're the opposition team. Like, have you not yeah. seen an opposition team come out of a, the tunnel at Lumenfield? Like, obviously they yeah. get they get booed. Then yeah. it did get a bit more uh, spicy, but um, I mean, it was pretty tame. I said yeah. I, I tweeted out I've had more hostile curries. Same, actually. Yeah. Same. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Well, with that, thank you for tuning in to the first. It's the first ever. Or like news roundup we'll come up with a, a fancy name for this griffin may mm. be able to join us for some of them but uh he wasn't tonight and then we'll be back tomorrow in your feeds and tomorrow live as well it works both ways mm. with the tape review please do like the video on on youtube if you're watching on youtube subscribe to the podcast 
give it a five-star review on your podcast medium follow the podcast at seattle overload follow ty at dane and follow me at matty f brown <laughs> and uh yeah brown. <laughs> yeah we, we appreciate you guys and uh, yeah th- thanks for all those of you who joined us live great questions sorry we didn't get to all of them <laughs>